You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from Heritage Baptist Church in Corpus Christi, Texas, led by Pastor Johnny Che. Our church is dedicated to serving Jesus Christ and reaching the world by going forward with the gospel. We pray that you will be helped and blessed by this message from God's Word. Luke chapter 14, Luke chapter 14, Lord willing, we will finish up this message tonight. Luke chapter 14, verse 25, we're going to go here just to remind us of what we talked about last week, but we're continuing from three weeks ago, we've we've really been looking at the story of Gideon uh, and his 300 going up against the Midianites. Um, Some of the Amalekites were there as well. But in his physical battle, the Lord had to bring out some lessons for his soldiers. And they started with 32,000. They ended with 300. And the purging process was in three stages. First of all, the Lord asked, how many of you are willing to face fear in this battle? And if you're not willing to face fear in this battle, then go home. And 22,000 of them left. What we pointed out is that the other 10,000 feared also. I think you'd have to be a little insane not to fear. But they had boldness in spite of their fear. They were willing to fight in spite of the fear. But then he said, I want to know if you're focused here. I want to know if you always remember that the battle is raging. So let's take them down to the river. Let's see how they drink water. Let's see if they just throw everything to the side and dunk down and enjoy themselves, or let's see if they keep their wits about them. Only 300 kept their wits about them. But then those 300 had to fight in a very strange way. You're going to fight not with a sword, but with a pitcher, not with a spear, but with a torch, not with a shield, but with a trumpet. And are you going to fight God's way? So are you still in if it means facing fear, if it requires focus, and if it requires faith? And only 300 of them stayed, a very small minority as compared to 32,000. And what that teaches us is that it's not enough just to say, I want to be a soldier in order to be in. There are requirements. There's a cost to being a disciple. I really liked what the one preacher said. I quoted him last week, and I can't remember it exactly, but he said, anybody who chooses to be a Christian needs to sit down and consider the cost and consequence of such a decision. So let's look here at what Jesus has to say about it. Luke chapter 14, verse 25. And there went great multitudes with him, great multitudes that all decided that morning, I want to follow Jesus. I want to be around him. I want to hear him speak. I want to see what he has to do. He turned and said unto them, If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. It's not saying you can't go to heaven, right? He's saying you cannot be my disciple. For which of you excuse me, intending to build a tower, sitteth not down first, and counteth the cost, whether he have sufficient to finish it. 
lest haply after he hath laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, all that behold it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going to make war against another king, sitteth not down first, and consulteth whether he be able with ten thousand to meet him that cometh against him with twenty thousand? If you can't figure out a way to beat the person that you're going to, going to war with, even when you're outnumbered two to one, you may as well just compromise now, right? You may as well just make peace now. But if you are truly going to sit down and say, I do not want to compromise with this enemy and I do not want them overtaking me, I only have 10,000, he has 20,000, you better figure out a way to make it work and see it through to the end. Verse 33, so likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. Jesus turned around and looked at these people, and I'm sure he was glad that they were there, but he was concerned why they were there. And his question to them is, do you understand really all that it requires in order to follow me? And I want to ask that also. Our Sunday night crowd, many who would say, I came here of my own volition, of my own choice. I want to hear what the Lord has to say, and I want to learn more about the Bible, and I want to be a part of this. Do you understand truly what that requires and what that means? Heavenly Father, please bless the reading of your word, the preaching of your word, and let this sink down deep into our hearts Lord, if, if we leave here changed, it's not going to be because of an incredible message and certainly not because of the messenger. It will be because of your Holy Spirit. And we give you the glory and honor in anticipation of you working. And we ask this in your name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Jesus told the people who followed him, being in requires forsaking family and friends. It requires self uh, forsaking self-preservation and self-will by bearing your cross. It requires forsaking carelessness and ease. You need to plan this out. Make sure that you don't just start, but you finish. Remember, what we learned in Gideon is if you're going to quit halfway through, don't even start. That's God's philosophy. If you're going to quit halfway through, don't even start. But then it's also going to forsake, you have to forsake compromise and you have to forsake comfort. You have to be willing to take 10,000 against 20,000 if that enemy really needs to be fought against. Are you still in, is what he asks. So then last week, knowing that we could give a lot of different words, I just had eight words that I prayed about and I had you write them down. The first word was read. Second word was pray. Third word was attend. How many of you are writing them down now? You're writing them down now. I have a pen if you need to borrow it. Anybody? Anybody need one? You good? Miss Caitlin. Okay, hang on. Oh, sorry, uh, Brother Bailey. <laughs> My bad. What I say? Read, pray, attend. Those are the only three we got through last week. Read, pray, attend. Number four, obey. Number five, give. Number six, witness. Number seven, love. Number eight, die. Read, pray, attend, obey, give, witness, Love, die. 
And then what I asked you is if those eight things were what was required in order to be in, just those eight words, would you be in? And I'm afraid a lot of us would have to say no, not consistently, which remember that was one of the requirements, that was one of the purging processes that God had. That was the second purging process for the, for the 10,000 that were left. Are you constantly going to be in this battle or are you going to have times where you tell yourself that you can just forget it? So if you cannot say, I am reading, I am praying, I am attending, I am obeying, I am giving, I am witnessing, I am loving, and I am dying consistently, you're not in. And yet, even if you did all of those things, you're still not in. It's not just reading. It's reading what? Read daily. Daily. Oh, what is it? Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. Oh, how love I thy law. It is my meditation all the day. It's not just reading. It's reading daily. And beyond reading, it's studying. And there's not that big of a difference between studying and reading as far as your mindset is concerned. When you read, you're just asking, what does it say? When you study, what does it mean? What does it mean? And then what we're going to see next Number four is obey, right? Number four is obey. You need, to, you need to stop reading your Bible just asking, what does it say? You need to start asking, what does it mean? And then you need to go further and say, what does that mean for me? And then you take it further. But it's not just reading, it's read daily. It's not just pray, it's pray fervently. It's not about the length of your prayers, it's about the strength of your prayers. Not how long your prayer is, how strong your prayer is. Mean something with it. It took Jesus an hour, three, three separate times to say, Lord, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. It took him an hour to pray that prayer. Three times. Do we pray fervently? Somebody asked me, what does it mean to pray fervently? Pray with a specific design to get a hold of God. That's praying fervently. Sometimes it happens in a moment. Sometimes it takes hours. But pray fervently. Number three, it's not just attend. It's attend faithfully. Because what we learned is even when you are reading daily and even when you are praying fervently, there are still going to be times when you're discouraged, when you're down, when you're tired, when you're weary. And God knew that, so he gave us a place. He gave us a place where he said, do not forsake that place where you can exhort one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. You're going to need to get around other people who allow you to draw near and hold fast your faith and provoke one another unto good works. And that's church. Attend faithfully. Remember, we ended last week by asking, how many of you have been a part of a service that changed your life. 
a message that you heard, a song that was sung, a prayer, a conversation that you had. How many of you have been a part of a service that absolutely changed your life? How many of you were saved in a church service? And pretty much all of you raised your hand as far as a life-changing experience has happened to me at church before. My question is, what would happen if you missed that service? And then my other question is, how many sins are you still struggling with? How many obstacles are you still struggling with that you would not be struggling with anymore if you had made a service that would have answered that question? Do you know how many times people come up and they ask me for counsel? And I say, okay, sure. Now, church, what do I always tell you about counsel? It is the worst part of my job. I'll do it, but I don't like it. You know why? Because 90% of the time when somebody sits down and says, this is my problem, I think, I just preached on that last week. Where were you? Oh, I will. will. And I always ask, I I always ask, what what can I tell you that I haven't already told you behind this? And if you're not going to listen to me behind this, why are you going to listen to me behind a desk? You know what? I heard something this morning, and I almost, I, I almost fainted. If I was pregnant, I would have gone into labor this afternoon. You know what I heard? I heard. I was supposed to have a counseling session tonight. And I heard from the person that was supposed to have the counseling session with, you know, I don't think I need the counseling session The message this morning helped. Well, what do you know? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. That's what what the Bible does. But but more than that, that person was here listening and applying. That's good. That's good. Now, church, I'm not telling you not to counsel with me. You can come up to me. I will help you. I promise you. Okay? Just know I hate every moment of it. You know, I'm, you know I'm kidding. You know I'm kidding. I love you more than I hate it. I'm not helping myself. Let's just go ahead. Let's just move on. Let's just move on. Oh, goodness. Number four, it's not just obey. It's not just obey. Anyone want to take a guess? Oh, obey completely. Obey completely, right? You know what I tell my kids? You know what obedience is? Right away, all the way, with a good attitude. That is obedience. If you obey right away, but not all the way, but with a good attitude, that's not obedience. If you obey all the way and with a good attitude, but you put it off, that's not obedience. If you obey right away and all the way, that's not obedience. Obey completely, right away, all the way, with a good attitude. Because here's my question. Let's think of our first three, reading daily. What purpose is there to read the Bible daily if you have no intention to obey it completely? You may as well just click I agree at the beginning like you do for the Apple iTunes agreement. You don't read it. You just, yeah, sure, whatever. That's not the Bible. What point is there to read it daily if you're not going to obey it completely? How about this? What point is there to pray fervently if you're not going to obey completely because Psalm 66, 18 says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Lord, I'm going to ask you for all of this, but if you ask me for anything, no. 
What point is there in that? What point is there to attend faithfully if you're not going to obey completely what you hear? Now, church, if I'm not preaching the Bible, don't listen to me. Kick me out. Have a vote of confidence. Vote me out, and I'll be a janitor somewhere. But if I'm preaching the Bible, I'm not preaching my opinion. I'm, I'm preaching not my authority. I'm preaching Scripture. Obey it and obey it completely. I, I do my best to preach preventative messages. You know what I mean by that? Messages that will keep you from sin rather than getting you out of the sin that I've allowed you to go into by not preaching against it. I can do two things with my preaching. I can build a guardrail at the top of the cliff or I could build a hospital at the bottom. I'd rather build a guardrail here. Which means if I do my job right, the majority of the people who are up here at the altar are not necessarily saying, Lord, I'm deep in this sin and I need you to get me out. Hopefully what they're praying, if I'm doing my job right, is Lord, never let that happen to me, please. If you're, in the, if you're in the pew, well, I'm not dealing with that sin. Oh, are you exempt from it? Are you immune from it? Have you ever thought that maybe as the pastor and under-shepherd of the church, I see some things brewing, so I'm going to try to preach on it to prevent it? Taking that attitude then, why do you think I'm preaching this? Why do you think I'm preaching? Do you understand what it requires to be all in? Am I just filling space, or could it be possible that as a pastor, knowing what is coming up in the future, I see, if you're not all in in this, and if you don't count the cost now, you're going to get freaked out. You're going to get freaked out, and a lot of you are going to leave. And then the few of you that stay behind, who are not focused in this, you're going to be of no good, dead weight. May as well go home. And I would rather go to war with 300 who have counted the cost than 32,000 who haven't. But what is all this going to do if we don't obey completely? So let me ask you, church. I preached last week, read daily. How many of you have? Good. How many of you haven't? Don't raise your hand. But my goodness, why not? Why not? Oh, I was just so busy. You couldn't read one verse? One verse, one chapter? Do you realize we could stop all that we're doing right now and bring out Proverbs chapter 2 and finish reading it in five minutes? Don't give me that excuse. Because I guarantee you, you were on social media this week. Were you praying fervently? Have you attended faithfully? Every time you can be here, have you attended faithfully? Then, then you're not in. Then you're not in. And you're going to need to be in for what I see coming. Okay? Ezekiel chapter 33. Let's look at this as far as obey completely is concerned. Ezekiel 33.
verse 30. This is God talking to Ezekiel. God just revealed to Ezekiel this, this message, this prophecy of what is going to take place in Israel. And unlike Jeremiah, Ezekiel had a very captive, a literal captive audience. <laughs> Ezekiel was a, a, a captivity prophet. And he's actually in Babylon preaching. And people were very interested. People were very interested in what he had to say. Jeremiah, they just kind of shut down. But notice what was happening to Ezekiel. Also, thou son of man, the children of thy people still are talking against thee by the walls and in the doors of the houses. What he's saying is they're, they're constantly talking about your ministry in public and in private. And they speak to one another, everyone to his brother saying, come, I pray you. And here, good start, right? Come, that's a good step. Here, that's a good step. Hear what is the word that cometh forth from the Lord. And they come unto thee as the people cometh, and they sit before thee as my people, and they hear thy words, but they will not do them. For with their mouth they show much love. Oh, preacher Ezekiel, that was a wonderful message. That was incredible. Just mm, keep up the good work. Are you going to keep up the good work? I'll, I'll do my best to keep up the good work. Are you going to keep up the good work? What about, your, what about your job? What about your job? You've been warned. The watchman has warned from the tower. Is the city going to get prepared? With their mouth, they show much love. But their heart goeth after their covetousness. I'm going to do what I want to do. And lo, thou art unto them as a very lovely song of one that has a pleasant voice and can play well on an instrument for they hear they, thy words but they do them not I, I, don't, I don't need to hear and I appreciate it and I'm not saying that anybody who says this is being sarcastic or unnecessary but I, I don't need to hear oh that message I don't need to hear oh you're preaching and oh you're this and oh you're that you know, it's funny I've told a couple younger preachers, they ask me, what, what have you learned as a, as a young preacher? And I say this, if you listen to the opinions of people, you will either come to believe that you are the worst preacher in the world or you are the best preacher in the world. And both of them are equally untrue. <laughs> I don't need to hear all that. I, I, I don't need to hear words. We need to see change. But Ezekiel was just a soloist to them, not a preacher. Church was a concert. It, it became music for their ears, not an examination of their life. What's the point? What's the point? Brother Matt, what did you, what did you, what did you, what did you preach, pray? Let us not be hearers, but doers. Hey, let's come. You've done that. Let's hear. You've done that. And so did they. But let's not do anything about it. That's like saying, oh, I, Brother John, I went to this restaurant this morning. Incredible. Incredible. Yeah, what was so good about it? Was the food good? Oh, I didn't eat. <laughs> I didn't eat anything. It looked, but it looked great. But I didn't eat anything. That's like going to the doctor. It's probably a deacon. Don't worry about it. That's like going to a doctor 
And oh my goodness, that doctor, he knows his stuff. I'll tell you, I'll tell you, oh, are you getting better? Well, I'm not taking the medicine, but I mean, he's a great doctor. I love, I love going. Or that's like going to the gym, went to the gym today. Bradley, went to the gym today, man. Oh yeah, what'd you do? Oh, I didn't lift anything, <laughs> but I went. <laughs> Why are we gonna go to church? Oh, the message was this. Oh, yeah, what'd you do about it? Oh, nothing. Stay home. Don't waste your time. We have, I'm going to get through one point tonight. It's all right. It's all right. We have become great deflectors and horrible reprinters. And I, I wonder, I wonder when the Bible became some cute book of stories or an ancient text of guidelines or an obligatory homework assignment for some of you. Rather than being something that is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword that pierces to the dividing asunder of sword and soul and spirit and joints and marrow and is a discerner in thoughts and intents of your heart. Because that is what the Bible is supposed to be. And it will be if you just look into it. The entrance to thy word giveth light. It will show you what you are, who you are. Doesn't the Bible say it's a mirror? Whoso therefore looketh into the perfect law of liberty, right? Let's go and look there. James chapter 2, 1. James chapter 1. Look at verse 18. Of his own will begat he us with the word of truth. You were saved by the word of God, right? That we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. In other words, so that you could pass down, so that the harvest could continue, right? You're just the first fruits. He wants it to go on. Wherefore, because you are saved, by the word of truth, here's a question. If the word is powerful enough to save you, if the word is powerful enough to save your soul, do you think that same word could be powerful enough to help your life? If, if the word is powerful enough to help you get to heaven, do you think the word would be powerful enough to help you walk on earth? Right? Right? So you know what verse 19 says? Wherefore, let my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, Slow to wrath. When you hear the word opened, listen, swift to hear, right? Slow to speak, but I think, no, no, no. God gave you two ears, one mouth, right? Slow to wrath. Because when the Bible goes against what we think, ooh. Oh, I love the preaching until he steps on my toes, right? I love the preaching, but every now and then he just rubs the cat the wrong way. I ain't going to stop rubbing. Turn the cat around. 
I wrote this down. Here's, here's what an old preacher said about verse 19. He preached it. I, I don't have the guts to preach it. I don't think I have the, the intimidation factor to preach it. He's he just an, a, a big old southern preacher, okay? And here's what he preached from verse 19. I wrote it down. Four requirements of listening in church. Number one, show up. Number two, sit up. Number three, shut up. Number four, suck it up. Oh, man. Don't get mad at me. He preached it, not me. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God, right? Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, love that, and receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. Again, if it's able to save your soul, can it also save you from lust? Can it also save you from sin? Can it also save you from your temper? Can it also save you from all those different things? Absolutely, if you receive it with meekness. But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any man be, or for if any rather, be a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like a man beholding his natural face in a glass, in a mirror. For he beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. You do not look in a mirror and see debris. Hanging out and walk away and say, oh, if, if I just don't look at it, it'll go away. And you find out who your true friends are at that point. I'm being serious. I'm being serious right now. Only true friends will say, dude, you got something. A, a fake friend will let you talk to them for 30 minutes with debris hanging out of your nose and they will not say anything or something in your teeth. Nobody does that. Ladies, you don't look in the mirror and say, yeah, good. You're, you're going you're gonna to do something about what you see. Everybody does that. Walking away from the mirror does not change what the mirror has revealed. Whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. Here's my, here's my issue. When you read the Bible, we've become experts at reading the Bible at an angle. We don't look straight into the mirror. We do this. Oh, you know who could really use that? Brother Mike. Right? Oh, yeah. Oh, you know who could really use that? That, that loser right there. And that loud mouth over there. And you're skipping by all the things that are supposed to be revealing you. And then when the preaching happens, instead of letting it sink in and prick our, our, our hearts, first try, our hearts first, we're thinking, oh man, they really need this one. They really need that one. They really need that. Wish somebody, I, I've, I've had people come up to me afterwards, man, I wish so-and-so was here for that. And sometimes I've wanted to say, I didn't have so-and-so in my mind at all. You know how I had in mind? And it's a shame. We've become excellent deflectors and horrible repenters. We've turned church into a concert and not an operating room. And, and at another church, 
And Lord, give us the grace never to turn into a church where this time is just a 15-minute little rap session. But hopefully, something has been cooked and developed and cultivated specifically for you as the people of Heritage Baptist Church. And at that point, we need to apply it. And we need to obey it. And we need to obey it completely, right away, all the way, with a good attitude. One more. One more. Give. But church, give what? Sacrificially. The Bible says, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Now I'm going to be short in this one because preachers already have enough of a reputation for being greedy. And I do not want that. The Bible says, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. When COVID-19 happened, and I didn't know where you were, I was trying to shepherd through a glass, through a camera. I didn't know where you were. I didn't know how you were doing. I tried to get in touch with you. You tried to get in touch with me, but we, were, we didn't see each other. I checked the offering every week. Not because I cared about the bills, not because I cared about any of that, but the Bible says where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And the giving went up during COVID-19. And what that showed me is the people's heart is here. Their bodies might not be here, but the people's heart is here. And while I was hearing other pastors, we just opened up again, and our attendance went from an average of 150 to 60. Before the lockdown, we went from an average of about 140 to an average of about 140. Stayed the same. Now, what, is that, what does that verse mean? Give money and your heart will follow it? Or love something and you'll give to it? Yes. Yes, both. Both. It means both. Think about this. Gentlemen, when you invest in a nice toy, your heart's there with it. If your house catches on fire, yeah, you'll save your wife and your kids, but then you're going for that. Because it costs you money, a lot of money. But then also, you know, the, the moment I held my child for the first time, it, it had cost me really no money at that point, but I was perfectly fine with investing money because I loved my child. When I started my marriage with my wife, or, or when I started my relationship with my wife, our, our dating relationship, I loved her. I hadn't spent anything on her, but guess who I started spending money on? And guess where I got, I spent money on the flowers and the cards. And the, why? Because she had my heart. And where my heart is, my treasure will be there as well. So it can go both ways. But if you're in, you will give sacrificially. Northwest Bible Baptist Church started, Preacher Gomez, I just talked to him this last week, and he said, when I first took Northwest Bible Baptist Church in Elgin, it was a struggling church, 
And he said, we had, we had gossip in the church. We had division in the church, problems in the church. He said, and I came in, took over from the old pastor who was doing some dumb things financially. He said, I came in and I preached a get in or get out message. And 76 people left. And he, he started with 31, most of them teenagers. He said, and the 76 that left were all tithing, giving people. But they were problem people. Two years later, they had 534. And they were growing out of their little building, Dad. Remember that? We were growing out of our building. And the church moved over 30 miles. What is a city 30 miles from here? How far is, how far is Annabelle? How far is Cal Allen, brother? About 30 miles. So church, we're selling this property, and we're moving, we're moving to Cal Allen. Amen. Hey, people sold their homes. My dad worked, how, how far did you work from the church at their Prospect Heights location? How far was it? From Prospect Heights Church to my business? Yeah. 15 miles. Okay. How far was it when you moved to Elgin? Uh, 35 miles. Mom and dad sold their house and moved to be a part of the church. At the five-year anniversary, I think it was the five-year anniversary, 1,031, exactly 1,000 more than what they started with on the second Sunday. I was going to take you to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And you know what? I, I will. I will. I'm still pretty short. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, and then we'll be done. Second Corinthians chapter eight verse one is worded a little, worded a little differently. We don't speak this way anymore, but this this phrase was common. We do you to wit. It, it it means we make it known to you. We make it known to you, namely about this. To wit means namely. We we do you to wit. We make it known unto you. We we proclaim unto you, of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. How that in great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. What he's talking about is an offering that was being taken up for some of the, from, for another church that was under great persecution. Corinth had already agreed, Paul, the next time you come, we're going to have an offering to give to you for, these, for this church. The churches in Macedonia were small. And Paul is writing to Corinth, one of the largest churches, just so you know, the churches in Macedonia just gave a very liberal offering to this. And what he brings up is, I would hate for you as Corinth, because the reason a lot of these other churches are giving is because you took the lead and said, we are going to give. And these other churches followed in your footsteps, 
I would hate to show up at Corinth and have you say, oh yeah, we kind of forgot about that. It's not gonna make you look very good. Macedonia gave very liberally. Oh, well they must be, they, they must be having good times. No, in great trial of affliction they gave liberally. Oh, they must be very affluent and wealthy. No, no, no. Great poverty. They gave liberally. And then notice this. For to their power, and I bear record, yea, and beyond their power, they were willing of themselves. Praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift. Please take it. Please take it. No, this is too much. Please take it. We've determined to give this. And take upon us the fellowship of the ministering of the saints. And this they did, not as we hoped. They gave beyond what we hoped. But first gave of their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. So what am I saying in this point? Give your money? No. Give your heart. Give your heart. If the Lord has your heart, the money will take care of itself. And if the Lord were to tell you, I want you to give nothing but you give your heart to him, I will be okay as a pastor. If 100% of the church members here gave 100% of their heart to the Lord and no percent of their money, and it was of God's will for you to do that, which you know I'm being a little facetious here, I'd go and get a job to keep on doing what I'm doing here if you gave your heart to him. I can tell you that there is a curse against not tithing. I can tell you that. And that's not Old Testament law. Tithing was instituted before the law was ever given. I could, I could tell you all this. Here is all I'm going to say. In order to be in, you will need to give. You will need to give sacrificially because where your heart, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. It means more to you when you pay for something. It means more to you when you have a part of something. I could tell you all of that, but here's my main argument right here, found in chapter 9, verse 6 and 7. Here's my main argument as far as give sacrificially is concerned. This I say, he that soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, he that soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. I'm not here to give you an amount to give or a percentage to give. I'm not here to give you an amount or a percentage, I'm here to give you a principle. Give little, you'll get little. So little, you'll reap little. So much, you'll reap much. Oh, so I write a check for 100 and I get 1,000 back. Let's not think so physically here. Let's not think so carnally here. All I can tell you is that I have never seen anybody outgive God. So every man, according as he purposeth in his heart, the heart that hopefully you first give to the Lord. So let him give. Well, fine. No, not grudgingly. Well, I guess I have to. Not of necessity. God loveth a cheerful giver. I'm a preacher. I love any giver. God loves a cheerful giver. This church started in a garage in 2007. It moved to a small property on McArdle. They outgrew that auditorium. They built a new auditorium there, moved to this property, purchased this property, remodeled this auditorium. This auditorium only used to be as wide as where these wings came down. And then there was a wall there and a wall there. We were all in here. 
and there was plenty of space. We remodeled it, we brought in the fellowship hall, we built the containers. <laughs> We're constructing a 10,000 square foot new auditorium because of the sacrificial giving of God's people. All of that has happened over 15 years, in less than 15 years. There are churches that have been alive for 60 years that, that cannot say what the Lord has done here. And it's been through the sacrificial giving of God's people. Where will our church be 15 years from now if we keep on giving sacrificially? And yes, give sacrificially of your time and give sacrificially of your talent. But you know what? We just had to make a change order with uh, the sheetrock and the taping and floating. Because in the design, it was only meant to go up to nine feet because they designed it to be a gymnasium. But it's an auditorium. It needs to go all the way up. $50,000. And I can't go up to the subcontractors and say, hey, we got a lot of talent here. We don't have any money, but Ian can play the trumpet. Would you, uh, would you take that? Church, we're going to have to give. We're going to have to give. Those ACs just went down. $15,000. We weren't planning on that. That's all right. It didn't take God by surprise. We're going to need to give. Now listen, if you won't give, you're welcome here. I do not look through the giving. I don't. I don't know who gives and who doesn't. I think that's between you and the Lord. And I don't want my preaching to be influenced in any way. If you don't give, you're welcome here. Here's all I'll tell you. You have no part. I'd want to have a part. I want to be in. Read daily. Pray fervently. Attend faithfully. Obey completely, give sacrificially. Three more, two weeks from now. Thank you for listening to our audio preaching podcast. For more information about our ministries, or if you would like to get in contact with us, please visit our website at heritagebaptistcctx.org. May God bless you as you go forward with the gospel this week.